Whether you're an entrepreneur, event planner, political organizer, video producer, cattle farmer, fashion designer, architect, real estate agent, or magazine editor, Airtable can help you create your way. Learn more and get a special offer for the Founders Project listeners at Airtable.com slash Founders Project. Welcome to Inc.'s The Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. I'm Alexa, founder of LearnBest, author of the New York Times bestselling book, Financially Fearless, the forthcoming book, Financially Forward, and most recently, founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm committed to investing in founders who are building our future. Each week, I love to sit down with the top entrepreneur to share their story of guts, inspiration, and drive. This week, meet Lindsay Ullman, co-founder of Umbrella, a startup that is enabling seniors to stay in their homes due to the network of Umbrella neighbors. As an investor in Umbrella, I've been incredibly impressed with Lindsay. She was part of the early team at Google Ventures, where she acted as both an investor and an operational role. She went to Harvard Business School, spent two years at Sidewalk Labs, where she invested in urban-focused companies, all before co-founding Umbrella in 2017. Welcome, Lindsay. We're thrilled to have you. I'm so happy to be here. Um, So, Lindsay, as you know, I think the world of you. I'm so excited. Um, As I have been stepping back and looking at the retirement space, essentially we have a population. We're all going to live longer, heads up, if anyone doesn't know that. Every single year that you stand to live, you stand to live an extra year. I know that sounds like a tongue twister. It's not. So as an investor, I love the retirement space because you have a huge population of amazing people who have smartphones and technology and need services. And you are like diving right in and owning that space with Umbrella. So tell us in your own words, what is Umbrella? Umbrella is a membership service for people 65 and over. And um, our mission uh, is to help people take care of their homes so they can stay in them as long as possible. Uh, And we do that in three ways. Um, So the first thing is that we are really, our heart and soul is this community of, as you mentioned, Umbrella neighbors. Uh, And these are people who are local, they're super skilled, and they spend their extra time, nights, weekends, sometimes during the day, helping their neighbors take care of the small tasks around the house. The second thing that we do is we also help with professional services. So anything that happens around a home, we take care of it for our members. Uh, And then the third element is an emergency service. So if the middle of the night, the heat goes out, the air conditioner breaks, uh, that umbrella is there for you. And when you sort of zoom back and say, why is this such a deep need and so important for this customer base, um, the first thing that comes up for our customers uh, when they think about how they're going to age in their communities is how they're going to take care of their homes. 90% of people over 60 want to stay in their own homes for the rest of their lives. And the number one reason that they leave is because the work to take care of that house is just overwhelming. Um, and so we've custom built a digitally enabled product uh, instead of services for them to make that possible um, with a lot more to come. We're just at the outset of all the ways that we want to support our, our members as they continue to age. That was one of the things that, you know, um, even thinking through my own mom or um, people want to stay in their homes, right? And uh, you don't necessarily always want to move, but your home quickly becomes there's a lawn, there's something else to take care of. Maybe, you know, there's an extra few bedrooms. It's bigger to clean. They're just you know, things need These to be things painted, things up. break, yeah. there's a, you know, yeah. a driveway that needs to be snow plowed, whatever yeah. it may be. Um, and I think that... You, 
clearly that is the number one drive for people at retirement ages. I want to stay in my home. Yeah. But you guys just stepped right in there and are owning this space. Um, where did the idea come from? Walk everybody through. You met Sam years ago. You said, let's go build this company. Tell us that story. Yeah. Um, so it was sort of a series of um, a lot of times people talk about the aha moment. And for us, it was more gradual, actually. It was like a step-by-step series of things that we learned and came to get more and more excited about. And then we found ourselves starting a company. Um, and so I met my co-founder, Sam, at Sidewalk Labs. He was so talented. Sam is so smart. He's good at all the things that I'm not good at, of which there are many. Um, and we were working really closely together and said to each other, we want to start a company. Like, we think we've got what it takes. We have these complementary skill sets. Um, and because of work that I've been doing before, um, I had helped start a company called City Block Health out of Sidewalk, which largely focuses on older adults. And we were looking at these demographic trends and saying, this is nuts. So uh, there are going to be tens of millions more older adults in this country over the next 20 and 30 years. They're increasingly digital. Like when you look at the uh, sort of growth charts of digital usage among our customers, it looks the way like the iPhone growth looked in 2010. Um, And so as a former investor, you're always looking for these tailwinds of like, what are these big swift uh, sort of shifts that are happening that can allow companies to grow super quickly and own a huge market. And we were looking at uh, sort of aging broadly in this demographic shift and saying, like, this is a massive opportunity. And there are going to be lots of companies, of which Umbrella is one, um, that are going to really be in that space. And so then through a combination of um, personal experience, Sam's grandmother was having this problem taking care of her house. His family was commuting uh, to upstate New York from the city, trying to figure out how to help her. She found a service that was our inspiration for Umbrella that solved that problem for her. And Sam and I sort of looked at it a million different ways. We thought of all the reasons why it wouldn't work. Like, I literally have a spreadsheet with all of the reasons why we thought this business could not work. And uh, we got Lindsay to the loves end of a spreadsheet. it. I love, love a spreadsheet. The spreadsheet. Um, and we got to the end of it and and had sort of what we thought were really strong reasons why all of those risks, which were real, were, were problems that we could solve. Um, the market is so huge and these customers are so underrepresented um, and so um, under-focused on uh, that we felt we could really step in and do something big. Um, what is the experience like with a co-founder? When do you know it works. And I will say, as someone who has spent a lot of time with you and Sam, it works. I yeah. mean, it's a, like you guys I feel click. very lucky. Uh, you are very lucky. And there's definitely, you You can even sense it um, as a third party that um, it's a really healthy relationship. Yeah. So like, what are your rules? How did that work? How did you stand that up? Um, how do you divide work? Just give us your playbook of how do you make it work with a co-founder? It's funny. Sam and I joke about this all the time. I think I've been married for four years. And I say to my husband, Mike, having a co-founder makes me a better spouse. And um, having hopefully being a great wife makes me a better co-founder. Like any very important relationship um, in your life, it takes a ton of work. And maybe there's some magical marriage or some magical co-founder partnership um, where you don't have to work at it. But I have not met such a married couple and I have not met um, such a pair or group of co-founders. And so I think we had a couple of things going for us. The first for me, as in any close relationship, trust and integrity are so important. Like when um, Sam says he's going to do something or um, you know, he manages a bunch of the – he manages our finances. He oversees really core things for our business. Um, and I just know that he's doing them well um, and 
uh, better than I can do them, honestly. Uh, and so the first thing is sort of integrity and trust. Uh, the second thing, which is related, is like an aligned set of values. And so I think you can have very different styles. You certainly want to have complementary skill sets. But if you don't, at the end of the day, say, this is the way that we both believe you should treat people. This is my theory of hiring. Uh, this is how I think about choosing partners for our business. It's really difficult um, to find the right alignment. Um, unfortunately, we've uh, we found that, and and I got to see it from years of working together. Um, and then on the complementary skill sets part, I don't know that we've nailed this yet in our marriage, um, but certainly in our co-founder relationship, uh, I think Sam and I have. Sam is so good at so many things that I am not good at. Um, he's an engineer by background, and had managed engineering teams and product teams and data teams, which I had not done. And so he fills that role um, and does it beautifully. I am extroverted and can be loud and um, really like some of the outward facing components of our business, which are really important. So sales and partnerships um, are things that I was naturally uh, drawn to. But then there are things that we, um, we actually have a reasonable amount of overlap. I think um, sometimes you find founders who have no overlap whatsoever, and Sam and I have areas where we can trade off, and so and we do. Um, and so fundraising we do together, operations we've switched back and forth. And I think the key there, which has taken us some time to figure out, and we've gotten wrong a number of times, is being very clear about who owns what, agreeing on the goals, what's the outcome that we're looking for, and then letting the other person run as fast and as, as hard as possible because you done. just don't have time. At this stage, you don't have time. Do you guys have a rule where it can be like, I ran really hard against this thing and I'm having trouble and now I need yeah. you, I, I need to like tap you in. Uh, what does that look like? We call it our safe space. Yeah, we'll psychological like, we'll safety is like, a really no, important huge. thing. It's huge. So you sort of tap in and I'll be like, Sam, I'm trying this thing. It's really not working. What do you think? What's your advice? Advise me. Like sit in the advisor seat. Give me direct feedback. Tell me what I'm not doing well. Tell me about things that you would have thought of. And there have been a couple of times where we've said like, you know what, Sam, that sounds like such a good plan. Do you know what you should do? I think you should take this over. And then we switch back and forth. You know, we our superpowers will change as the business changes. And so we have, again, it goes back to that trust in each other and ability to be vulnerable with each other and say, I don't know how to do this thing. Or I don't feel good that this is working I don't feel good this isn't working. Um, And because we're trying to do so much so fast, you have to be able to get to that place. You just waste so much time if you can't get there. Um, So one of the unique things about you uh, and Sam, but you both spent time in venture funds. Um, and that so you like have seen the inside of the funding piece and now you're on the full operational side. What are the pros and cons of that? Like for you, if you step back, like why do you think that makes you a better entrepreneur and what are the things that you want to be thoughtful about? Yeah. So it's there's such different perspectives. And you're seeing this now. You've now you've done the reverse. Yeah, I'm doing and the I'm so yeah, I'm so curious um what you what you'll say about it. So as an investor, you're looking at your view is very macro. You're saying, this is the way I see the world going. These are big trends I'm really interested in. And then, of course, when you meet the founder who's sort of swimming along with those trends, like that's your moment. You can't stay in the macro forever. You then have to like get the deal done and really understand specifically which company you want to uh, you want to work with. But you're you're thinking at sort of this very cerebral, intellectual, very fun, um, but a little bit removed level. Um, and as an entrepreneur, that doesn't work. Like you at get all. The, at all. You get the opportunity. It's fun. Like we. This is something Alexa um, said to me once, which has stuck so much for us. 
she was like, you cannot admire problems. And the thing you get to do as an investor is you get to admire problems. You say, oh, that's so interesting. I wonder how someone's going to solve that. Let's look for the company that will. When you're the entrepreneur, you're the one who you can't admire it. You just have to run straight into it and figure it out. Um, I look back even to a year or two ago, I had to really work on that and say, like, okay, this is We've got to pick up the speed, and and the thing that matters more than anything is making a decision and action. Um, and so, um, and so I had to unlearn some of my investor skills. Now, the things that I think really helped us were probably two things. So one was the network. You cannot be a founder by yourself. You can't even with a co-founder. You can't do this by yourself. And we were so lucky to know a lot of early stage and mid stage entrepreneurs because of our venture networks who were starting at similar times or who were like three or four steps ahead of us. Um, and so we had this sort of built in support system that came with that. Um, and then the other thing was fundraising. So we knew the mechanics of fundraising. And I get so, um, I love talking to founders and, um, and entrepreneurs about fundraising because it's so opaque. If you have not been through the process before, there are all these terms you don't know. There's The process is hard to understand. And so luckily, we understood those pieces. I'm very passionate about helping other founders understand those pieces um, because it's it's very tricky and it's got its own language. It's totally learnable, um, but um, but it can be daunting. So we started with those those two things. Your skill sets. So I want to go back to Umbrella because um, it is so fantastic. Umbrella sits in a really unique space. You're focusing on this big target audience, 65 plus. There's a growing number Huge. of that population, yeah. but you're not in that population. So talk to the other founders that are out there when you are building a product that you you are not client number one for. Like, how do you do that well? We had to be, we were very conscious about this at the outset because if you're building a product for yourself, you get such, you have such a built in advantage. You have instincts around brand, around product. And, um, and in those, it, for us, because our customers are a different generation than we are, we didn't have that. And so we've been pretty deliberate at building in feedback channels to a crazy degree. So we are probably one of the few, um, it's probably because our customers are very digital, but they still like the phone, particularly when they're first getting to know us. But we're one of the few companies out there, um, startup companies out there, our phone number's on the website. And we invite our customers and prospective customers to call us. We want to hear from them. I'm on the phone at least once a week with a prospective customer or current customer. There are a handful I really keep my eye on, because I've known them for a while and I want to see how their journey through the service is going. And so I don't and I don't think they have any sense, nor should they, about my role or the other things that I do. They just know like their person She's is Lindsay. The CEO. Yeah. And uh, and when they've got a thing, they need to talk to Lindsay. And that's so important for me. Um, we hired a user researcher onto our team very early. That's not usually something you see in a sort of first 10 hires, but for us it was. We really need to build that discipline into our company. Um, we do a lot of events. We do a lot of gatherings to try to bring our customers together to give us feedback. I spent uh, three hours yesterday with 50 of our customers going table to table, hearing from them. What do they wow. like? What do they dislike? What can we be doing better? Um, so we, every company, I believe, has to be customer obsessed. But when you're not the customer, you have to amp it. Up. Like You have to be so conscious of it. Um, but, it but the opportunities that are there are so sizable. I think when you look at a lot of the companies, great companies coming um, out of the Valley or out of New York, a lot of times founders are building for themselves for good reason. But that means if you broaden out a little bit, there's all this white space. 
there are these populations of people who are really underserved, of which our customers are, are one of them. And with that, we'll be right back after this. In 1885, inventor and entrepreneur Sarah E. Good was the first African-American woman to be granted a patent by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office for her invention of a folding cabinet bed. Today, that bed is better known as the Murphy bed. This creative breakthrough is brought to you by Airtable. Learn more and get a special offer for the Founders Project listeners at Airtable.com slash Founders Project. Um, give us a sense of like an aha moment you had with a customer from one of those focus groups or from one of those phone calls. Like, give us a clear, tangible example of when you got better. Oh my gosh, these make me laugh because in retrospect, they seem so obvious. So one example is after every job, our customers leave a review. So the same way that you would for many of the services that you use. And uh, we initially had a five-star rating system because that's what all of the apps do. That's what we're just used to. And we kept getting these one-star reviews, and you can also leave comments. And so we get these glowing reviews saying, so-and-so was so amazing, I'm crying, I'm so happy, and then there'd be a one-star. And we couldn't figure out what was going on, and so we went to our customers, and what they said was, well, I think a star is good. Like, that's a thank you. I'm giving someone a gold star. A five-star rating system didn't make sense to them. They didn't have the same association that maybe I did with Airbnb or Uber or others. Um, And so we redesigned it to be smiley faces or frowning faces, so they're clearly, the range was more clear to them. That's amazing. Um, and, uh, and so it's, it's sort of in every step of the design process, the product development process, we find those things all the time. Give everybody a sense of, so you're going after this incredible customer. It's not you. Yeah. Uh, you're learning through it. You're helping people stay in their homes. The service has a yearly subscription and then essentially allows the community around that home to help do sorts of jobs. Give us a sense of why that, like, why are you getting out of bed every day to go build this? Like, what gets you so excited about the future of Umbrella? I think, I mean, so there are the everyday things, which is the chance to get to build a team of people who are really, I think mission-based companies have such an advantage. Totally. Oh, my goodness. if you, and, and it's not that, like, there's no monopoly on what it means to be a mission-based company. Companies in almost any space have the ability to do that, but you have to be able to articulate a why. Like, what is the impact you're going to see in the world if this company is successful? And I think we, through doing that, have been able to punch above our weight class and hire really talented people who are deeply motivated and excited about the mission. And so, you know, sometimes you have bad days and you're just like, you know, you know how those goes, how those go. And um, and what I find is we have this team who is so bought in and so um, sees the impact that we're having in the world every day that it just sort of propels you in those moments. Um, And so part of it is the ability to build a a company with that sort of culture and mission. Um, Part of it is we can see the impact we're having in the world on a regular basis. Every day we're hearing from customers who are saying, this is transformative for me. I do not know what I would do. Um, They also are telling us all the things we need to do better, which we appreciate. Um, And that's motivating too, knowing that we have set expectations. You know, the thing about a membership 
relationship is you are buying into a long-term relationship. It is not a single transaction, and then you both sort of step away. It's saying, I'm investing in you, and you're investing in me, and we feel that uh, responsibility and that opportunity acutely. Um, and so the thing I like about it is it puts us in a position to have to deliver for our customers over and over again. Um, and I think about that a lot. Um, and then it's just, I don't, this is really fun. It's sort of crazy. I don't know if you felt like this, but sometimes you look around and you're like, are we really doing this? Like, if you think about, I mean, even a generation or two ago, the idea that a woman my age or your age could be starting a company and putting something out into the world was so radical. And so I have these moments, these like pinch me moments. I'm like, I can't believe we get to be part of this. So let's just quickly talk about as we think about the I'm obsessed with the retirement space because you have yeah. it's only getting bigger. Yeah. People you have living huge longer. populations of people that have also they they have assets, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're going after a 22-year-old, they have potential a lot of future assets, but at 22 they have student loan debt. Um, whereas the retirement population at least hopefully has some retirement savings. Yeah. And so it's a much wealthier audience. Um, if you think about like just the retirement space, the future of elder tech, yeah. um, if that's even a thing, um, what is, what's your hypothesis? If you fast forward 10 years, just again, stream of thought, what do you think, knowing that that's a customer that you're living and breathing every day? I'm so, it's going to be so fun to watch because there, so there are a number of things that are happening. So part of it, part of it is what you're saying is that um, this is a group of people who uh, were less hard hit actually by the financial crisis. They had more assets. Uh, they had more savings. They mostly own their homes. Um, they, uh, so they have more to play with than younger. They don't have student debt usually in the same way. Um, And so they have sort of uh, more economic um, opportunity of things that they can do. They're increasingly digital. Um, And so when we were at this event yesterday, there were just smartphones and emoji, you know, and that's only going to increase, of course. Of course. Um, And uh, and of course, they're living longer and they're They are vocal consumers about the types of products and services that they want to see but don't necessarily have today. And so when I look forward, there are a couple things I think um, that are important that we've learned. One is this is a massive population. And like any population, you have to segment and think very carefully about the subgroups within that population. So it's very different to be 50 today than it is to be 65 than it is to be 80. And I think a lot of times, which creates the opportunities for entrepreneurs, a lot of times people just say older people and they just think about them as this huge group that's like saying millennials, like my customer is a millennial. And you're like, what does that mean? Then you're like, uh, what kind? What are they interested in? What are the problems that they have? And so so one of the things we think about is really sort of deeply segmenting farther beyond that and saying, okay, which type of uh, which type of older adult, which segment are they in, what are the problems they have. I think we're going to see um, a whole bunch of products um, around as um, boomers are starting to age, how are they spending their time, uh, whether it's travel, whether it's entertainment, whether it's social. Again, it comes to that sort of asset and wealth thing. They have real ability to spend. I think we're going to see new real estate products. People want to continue to stay in their homes, but that can mean, or in their communities, that can mean that they're going to go to slightly different places. Uh, And the real estate of old, the sort of older adult communities of old, 
um, do not reflect the sort of modern 50-year-old or 60-year-old. And so I think they're going to be really interesting products and services around that experience. Um, I'm really fascinated. I'm excited to see the first companies that are focused on menopause. Like, how are we not talking about this? This is going to be a massive consumer opportunity as you have the largest uh, customer of sort of demographic group in the country has gone through and more people going through that. There are lots of pain points for women as they're uh, as they're facing it. So, um, and then of course there are lots of healthcare opportunities. So when you look at the the way that we are massively spending in our healthcare system, um, a huge amount of that money goes to older adults, and we can't sustain it. Um, we, uh, as a country, we can't continue to. Uh, to not do better, both in the quality of the care delivery and in terms of the cost. And so there's going to continue to be a lot there. But we very intentionally, I think the last thing I'll say about this is um, uh, I think a lot of the the mistake that a lot of people can make is to say older adult, patient. Like and you're like no 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 this is a high spending, um, massive consumer group, um, who are increasingly digital. So yes, there are going to be a lot of healthcare innovations, but um, but there are going to be amazing consumer packaged goods companies, direct to consumer brands, for incredible life experiences, in the same way yeah. that. Uh, a 40-year-old would in the same way that a 25-year-old would. I think this element of time is so interesting yes. because now when you're 60, you can look ahead at your life and say, I'm going to live 30, 40 years, and the quality of those years is going to be much higher. And we have not built – our society is not actually structured it's, that We're way. not there yet. And so the question of how will you spend your time, what are the purposeful ways that you can give back or make money, you know, 70% of the people who work through Umbrella are recently retired. And I think what we've done is built this unique work product for them, which is we say, yes, it's about making money, but a lot of it is about purpose. And we uh, have custom built basically an experience for this group of people who have so much to give, who have so many talents, um, and they're not necessarily great products and services out there for them to to put those into. And to your point, I think that what we're seeing is, you know, literally the the national retirement age was like, uh, like should it be 70, should yeah, it be 65? No, totally. And it was, uh, I mean, there's a lot of interesting data about how we even picked the number. Uh, and we're now at 68. And to your point, like work, working, being actively involved is actually a huge boost of happiness. And there's a lot of data around when people stop giving back, aka working in some capacity, just like mental decline is faster, totally. et cetera. So, you know, again, Umbrella allows huge. people to find a way to work, again, you know, handy services, et cetera, to give back in their community to people who really help it. So you're helping your neighbor and you're getting you some extra. Both, these both sides. And it's and it's so um, sort of amazing. If you could choose one, um, I'm trying to remember the exact stats, but generally if you could choose one element of either uh, being more physically active, of losing weight, or having a purposeful way to spend your time. When it comes to longevity and quality of life, you would choose a more purposeful way to spend your time. And there are going to be this is a societal level challenge and opportunity because there's so many types of roles, so much type of so many types of work um, that we need really talented people in. That should be your tagline, by mm. the way. A more purposeful way to spend. I love your time. this working session. I mean, there's just something totally there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, Lindsay, we're going to quickly shift to you. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, like full first-time founder, uh, running a company, um, have been around uh, so many different entrepreneurs. How do you make it work right now? Like, what what is the thing that you're either um, learning yourself or that you feel like you need to get better at um, or just the big takeaway? You're now 
helping make sure this company grows um, and you're in it, uh, just process that for us out loud. Oh my gosh, so many things. I think focus, this is another thing that we've talked a lot about. I think I, you know, you want to do everything well. You just, you, or at least I've had this experience where I've been like, oh, I just want everything to be so well done and so perfect and it's impossible. And so focus focus, focus, like I can't say it enough times to myself, and and saying we have a couple of things. For us, at any given point in time, it should be two to three that we have to do beautifully. We have to execute on beautifully. We have to deliver beautifully. And then there are going to be a whole bunch of other things that have to be good enough. Um, and coming from, again, sort of moving from an investor perspective where you have time, it's very thoughtful, and we try to be thoughtful, but we need to be super thoughtful about fewer things. Um, so an example, when we launched our website, we still have the same website app, which you've seen and we've talked about. Um, when we first started the business, we spent $2,000 on it. We spent very little time on branding because of all the things that we needed to focus on. We needed to figure out this marketplace dynamic. Could we find the customers? Could we find the workforce and then bring them together? The most important thing for our customers at that point in time was not the beauty of our website. And so, and now it matters more as we've grown. We need to be able to um, sort of show up with the brand and the um, and the look that we need to have. But at that point in time, it didn't matter. And so, it's ruthless prioritization extreme focus and trying to catch myself, which Sam helps me with all the time, when I'm veering off into like, but wouldn't it be nice if we did this thing just a little bit better? Um, and so uh, and so we think about that a lot. And then the other is, you know, there's building out the team of people who are good at things that you're not. And it's also building out the advisors and people around you who are good at things. When we think about team building, we think about the people we hire then we think about the people we surround ourselves with. So advisors, investors, and each person needs to have a role when you're like, you're my person. I don't know how to do this type of thing. You're my, as you would say, red phone. Um, To say, you know, Alexa, I'm really having this challenge about which type of person to hire. And you'll be like, ABC, seen it before, done. Um, And we need that. Yeah, I used to always tell founders, um, and again, lived through this myself, being one, um, that you should have like three red phones around you. uh, And if all three of the red phones, or at least two, say the same thing, it's probably pretty good advice. Just go. Um, and so it's not to say every time you have to do something, you should make three phone calls, but three people are many steps ahead of you in terms of their experience or career. Um, who you can say, hey, I need your quick read on this, left or right, uh, is so, so valuable as a founder skill. Having that um, having that mentorship around you, again, saves lots of time and, and helps you win. If it's Sunday night and you're looking at your week, Lindsay, and you're excited, why? Uh, it's because I know exactly what I need to get done that week. Like I've said, okay, these are the three things, the focus. I have my list of three things, and those are the things that need to get done, and I have the path to doing them. And then there's an element, at least this is what we've always found uh, in an early-stage company, there's that element of like, and then something's going to derail. There's going to be something I can't predict, and in my best, it's the curiosity of what are we going to learn from our customers this week? Which product feature isn't going to work the way we think it's going to? And so it's the it's the enlightened curiosity about something that's going to not go as we predict. What has been your coolest pinch me moment so far at Umbrella? 
It sounds so cheesy, but it's the customers. It's like when a customer, aging is so emotional and it's it's very beautiful. There are these profound moments we have where um, a customer will say, you just made such a difference to me or um, I didn't know that there was a better way. And also, honestly, as they're teaching us about how to live your life, like I think our customers and you find this as as um, generally as people age, there are two periods in time where people are happiest. The first is when they're young, and the other is when they're older. And the U-curve. The U-curve. The happiness U-curve. Yeah. And so we get to sit on one side of the happiness U-curve, um, and it can be pretty pretty profound. And then there was the moment when the money was first wired, when we raised our first round, and it hit the bank the bank account. And I was like, oh, my God. We're I looked at Sam, and I was like, we're really – this, this is, is happening. happening. This is happening. We always took a photo. Oh, we should have taken a photo. We did. We like literally, like we. Had, I pulled together the management team, and That's we would take a, a photo. Idea. And it's um, a funny thing because you don't want to celebrate. You know, it's it's not the milestone in it's and of def- itself. Well, it's no, not. It, and I was gonna say it, we'd yeah. take a photo, and then we'd look at each other and be like, "Get back to work." Oh my god, we have so much work to do. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just like, um, but it's still a thing to yeah, stop yeah. and pause and say, "Okay, this gives us you the chance have, to go do the next yeah, thing." One of the learning lessons for me was I I did not celebrate enough, and I learned that like yeah. even celebrating small things. So you know. The team at Inspired today, we celebrated a cool milestone that we had today. And I just reminded, I said, guys, I never celebrate enough. Let's celebrate. I love uh, that. Even a text, like even an emoji yeah. celebration works. I love that. Um, so uh, your favorite interview question when you're in, as I know, umbrellas growing and scaling and hiring and going to go to lots of cities and you're going to like speed up so much. Um, what's your favorite Alexis interview? always like, speed it up, speed it up. Uh, that, so just, that was a reminder. Yeah. Um, but for Subliminal. you, what's the um, the 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 question that you think really gets to the heart of who somebody is that you like? I always ask, um, what do you want to get out of this role? And so I think it's so important. I cannot be a successful partner to any person we bring into the company unless I understand where they want to go and why. And it could be the range of answers that are great answers. It could be I want to learn this skill. I want to see what it's like to be an early stage company because I want to be a founder. Um, I am really passionate about the space and I want to understand what's happening in it, all of which are good answers. But I look for people who have a why, who understand it. And then I think through with Sam, can we build, can we be the place for them given what they need um, to help them be really successful and get them to that next spot? What is one other startup or company that we should know about, trend or product, anything that's on your radar that has nothing to do with Umbrella that lately you've just said, wow. So there are a couple of companies that have basically helped us build. So there's this amazing wave of it is easier and easier, technically speaking, to become an entrepreneur. There are all of these off-the-shelf tools that used to take 20 engineers six months to do. So we use a company called Retool, um, which allows us to build internal tools really quickly we can do with one engineer what a number of years ago would have taken five engineers to do. Um, and so we're so, we talk about mission oriented, like the numbers of companies that tools like that can enable. Um, there's also sort of adjacent to the umbrella space is, and I think I'm saying it correctly, is an electric bike company called Pedigo, which is the fastest growing electric bike company, I think bike company in the country. It was started by boomers who realized that there was this amazing market, uh, which was other boomers who wanted to be able to move around and didn't want to be driving, didn't necessarily want to be walking, but sort of the um, the design of the existing bikes didn't work for them. And so they have built this super fast growing consumer company 
which franchises, they have franchises across the country, and most of the franchises are run by people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for joining us today. You can learn more about Umbrella at askumbrella.com. Join us next week for Inks, the Founders Project with Alexa Bontobel. And thank you again, Lindsay. I appreciate it. It was so fun. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you all for listening. You can subscribe to Inks, the Founders Project with Alexa Bontobel wherever your podcasts are offered. My book, Financially Forward, comes out May 14th. So excited for you all to read it. It's on the future of your wallet and all the digital tools that we need to keep our wallets safe and grow for the future.